0: Well, we're continuing our look at John chapter 15, uh, and we've been kind of stuck on the first four verses for a few weeks now. I'm pretty sure that next week we're going to get unstuck and move on to the next four verses. (laughs) Uh, But today we're going to have one more uh, lesson out of these first four, really the first three. So let me just read, uh, I'm going to read the John 15, 1 through 8. If you have a Bible, you can open it up, John 15, 1 through 8, and read along with me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He's thrown away like a a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Lord bless the reading of his word. I have uh, printed in the, or, or well, printed in the bulletin this morning a question: What is God's goal in the life of His child? What is God's goal in the life of His child? By the way, the bulletin—it looks like this. It's only one page, and uh, it's posted there in a PDF file right there on the Facebook page. And this morning, I think even more than usual, uh, you might benefit by looking at the outline. In this morning's bulletin, I've printed the whole outline, Uh, so uh, a lot lot of times I leave parts of this blank, so you can take notes. And this morning, I just printed the whole thing, because I thought it might be useful to help you follow along uh, with what we're talking about and, and go point by point. And so you might find that helpful to have a, have a look at that file while we're, while we're going. The question is, what is God's goal in the life of his child? I hope as we go along, you're going to see the answer to that question. In fact, we've really already answered that question last Sunday. And I want us to keep it in mind as we, get, as we proceed today. So uh, I want us to remember the point from last Sunday, which is this. Bearing fruit is, we defined what bearing fruit is last Sunday. And here's what we said. Bearing fruit is any exhibit of the reproductive, multiplying life of the vine. And the vine is Christ. So if a Christian exhibits any exhibit of the life of Christ, that is bearing fruit. When we reflect his nature, we are bearing fruit. Uh, we, uh, we looked at Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, where Paul described it like this. The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So when I exhibit his righteousness because of my connection to him, then I'm bearing fruit. Now, today we want to look, the name title of our sermon today is The Gardener. There's a, there's a vine dresser, a gardener in this text and Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. And the gardener does two different things here in this text, depending on what kind of branch he's dealing with. So there's two kinds of branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit receives a particular treatment from the gardener, and every branch that bears fruit. So there's just two kinds of branches, those that do not bear fruit and those that bear fruit. And the gardener does something different. So let's just read that. Every branch that uh, in me that does not bear fruit, he, this translation says, takes away he takes away In another translation it says literally cuts off and uh that's that's a perfectly good literal translation of the word we have here it's the little greek word iro Uh, so every branch in me that does not bear fruit he cuts off or takes away then if we read, read on in the text, if we got to verse 6, we'd notice that these branches are thrown out, and then they dry up, and then they're gathered up, and then they're burned. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So what is it? What, who, who is this branch in, branch in me that does not bear fruit? Well, I think we can get some help from verse 6, because in verse 6, He talks about these branches again. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, dries up. And these branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So who are these branches that don't bear fruit? Well, they're the branches that don't really abide in him. They're really kind of straightforward and simple. Uh, Now, we we get another clue from verse 3 where Jesus says, uh, already you, you disciples here gathered around, you are clean. Clean, that's an important word, because of the word that I have spoken to you you are clean he says he said that before in fact he said that in chapter 13 where uh, he was talking to the, he was washing the disciples feet you remember and he came to uh, Peter and Peter said you can't wash my feet and Jesus said well if I don't wash you you don't have any part of me and Jesus says well then not just my feet but also my hands and my head and Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Same expression. You are clean, but not every one of you. And then John explains, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. So there's a distinction here between uh, the the disciples and Judas. So Judas is the prototype for this branch that is cut off and thrown away. Uh, Judas is the one who's not clean. And he says to the other disciples, You're clean. But not everyone here. Well, now Judas is left. When Jesus starts talking about the branches and the vine, Judas is already left. And he says, you're clean. We have this distinction between the false disciple and the true disciple. So the the branch in me that does not bear fruit is a branch that's not really abiding in Christ, that's not a true disciple, that's maybe to the rest of us looks like a believer but isn't actually a believer. We could find uh, this in the book of First John where John talks about people who have departed from the church and he says they left so that it would be revealed that they are not one of us. So they looked like they were one of us but they weren't. In, in Hebrews chapter 6 there's a similar uh, passage where there's a whole there's a group of people apparently who are participating in the church and they are present in all the good things of the church and then they fall away and those folks are revealed to be not true so the the branch that is cut off is the branch that doesn't actually abide in Christ and is thrown out and this is just exactly like Judas, uh, a false disciple, someone who looks like they're following Christ for the time being, and then turns out it wasn't genuine. And God removes these branches. They're cut off, taken away. Then there's another kind of branch, and that's the kind of branch that bears fruit, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, <laughs> he prunes. Now, in the Greek language, there's a, there's, a, there's a rhyme here, a little play on words, because the word cut off or, or take away, that is the word "iro," and the word for prune or clean is the word "kathairo," so that they end the same way, they rhyme. So the false branch is, is irod, and the, and the true branch is kassirod, cleaned or pruned, in order to bear more fruit. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it may bear more fruit. Now, there's an important word here, and that is every, every branch. Every fruitful Christian is pruned. Every. (laughs) So, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, if He is your Lord and Savior, what does this tell you? You can expect pruning. You should expect pruning. It will happen. It, in fact, has happened. Sometimes it has happened, and you didn't notice it was happening, but it still is happening. Because this is the work of the gardener, not the branch. That's also important. Who does this pruning? Branches are not self-pruning. I have never seen a single self-pruning branch on any tree or vine or plant in my life. Never have seen one, never will see one. The gardener prunes, the vine dresser prunes, God prunes, or cleans. This word kathyro, by the way, in in uh, any number of other contexts, could be just translated with the word clean. It's only because we're talking about a vine that we call it pruning. Because how do you clean a vine? How do you purify a vine? Well, you cut off the extra leaves and the little dead twigs and all the stuff that is sapping the energy of the branch, causing it not to be very fruitful. And this is what we read about in Hebrews chapter 12 at the beginning of our service today, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines So what's this telling us? It's so simple, really. You know, God works in our lives to remove anything from us that inhibits, stops, stifles, covers up our fruitfulness. If there's something about us or something connected to us that is keeping us from being as fruitful as we could be, God removes it. Now, there's no way you can talk about that other than to say God is doing us a great favor when he does this, right? I mean, when a farmer prunes his apple tree so that it will grow more apples, he's doing a good thing to the tree, The tree is more healthy, more productive. Well, God works in our lives to remove anything that inhibits our fruitfulness. And remember, when we say fruitfulness, we mean our reflection of the life of Christ in our lives. See, He's the vine, we're the branch, We're supposed to carry his life out into the world, bear fruit. We're supposed to be the body of Christ in the world, bear fruit. Communicate the word of Christ in the world, bear fruit. Our fruitfulness is our practice of the righteousness that comes through Christ. So God will, we can count on God because God is faithful and good to remove whatever is in the way of that, whatever is slowing that down, keeping that from happening, covering that up. God will take it away. I asked the question, what is God's goal in my life? And there's a very clear answer to this question in Romans chapter eight. And in Romans chapter eight, You know, there's that famous verse, Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That sounds a lot like uh, God removes whatever's keeping me from exhibiting the life of Christ. Well, sorry, let me find it here. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now, predestined, that's a fancy word for he set a goal of. He determined an outcome in the end. He set the goal. What was the goal? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So here again, we see what is God's goal in in your life as a Christian? It's for your life to become an exhibit, a showing, a demonstration of his life. You're called to show him. This goes all the way back to the garden like we talked about last time. It's about being made in his image in order to bear, made in his likeness in order to bear his image. So as we have fellowship with God, we become little revelations of God in the world. And that is the goal of Christ. And what we're told here by Jesus himself is there's a pruning. That there's a branch in him that that's bearing fruit, but it could bear more fruit. Except there's some things in the life of that branch that need to be removed so that the branch can be more fruitful. Well, here's the problem: God is coming at me with a pair of clippers. Uh oh. My problem is I'm attached to some of these things that he's promising to remove. In fact, some of these things I think of as part of me. And they are actually, you know, I have a certain character and I'm dealing with the flesh, so a lot of my character has a lot of flaws. Things that don't exhibit Christ in the world And the Lord has promised to do me the favor of getting rid of those things, but wait a second. I'm not so sure that's a good idea, especially some of these things. Removing these things can hurt. And the more attached to them I am, the more it hurts when the gardener removes them. I could think about think about it like this. Does he need his fingernails or should he bring a chainsaw? You know, yesterday these folks were there, you know, cleaning up my yard. There was a lot of pain done to the plants in my yard. There were some fingernails. There were some clippers. There was a chainsaw. And they were removing things that inhibited the beauty of the garden around my house. And I can imagine some of those trees weren't that excited about the process. And if I think, well, some of the stuff in my life that the Lord needs, that I need the Lord to remove, they are in my way. They are keeping me from flourishing as a human being. But I'm attached to them. So it's kind of scary sometimes. And sometimes he's got to bring a chainsaw. But (laughs) it's good. This is the thing to remember. It's good. It It will make me better. And better means a better reflection of his life because I'm connected to the divine, the Lord Jesus himself. This all kind of leads me to, to this idea that, of, that I want to try to grasp. I want to understand pain I want to understand what the scripture says about pain and suffering in the life of a Christian in my life. Now, I've given you in the, in the bulletin, I've given you a long list of scriptures, Romans 8, the earlier that text that we read, you know, we know that God, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That verse is right in the context of a verse that where of a, of a text where paul says i i consider that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us in other words the sufferings of this world in my life as a christian lead ultimately to the to my glorification of god himself through my exhibition my manifestation my showing of who he is And that will be so glorious. And Paul is is saying to us here in Romans 8, the work of the Spirit in the life of the Christian is going to produce this great glory. I think when I read these texts, when I read Jesus saying, you know, he prunes us to make us even more fruitful, I think, oh, if I knew what God was making here, I might even ask for more of these things that I flinch at when I see the chainsaw. (laughs) James 1, count it all joy. (laughs) Count it all joy, brothers, when you encounter various difficulties in life, knowing that God is working to produce steadfast faith in your life by these trials. And that is developing in you the very character of the Lord Jesus himself. That is making this fruit-bearing thing a reality in your life. You can rest knowing that every time you encounter pain and suffering in your life, it is useful in the hand of God to make you bear more fruit, to make you a better a better manifestation of the life of Christ that dwells in you because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. It's a, it's a fantastic thing. It turns every pain inside out. It turns it inside out whether you notice it or not. You might as well notice it and rejoice. That's what James says. Count it joy. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It does mean you can rejoice even when you hurt. And in the end, the glory that's revealed will be more than worth it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is another one of these texts. Yeah, I've got it here. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's an exhibit of God's nature, not mine. My correct human nature is to become an exhibit of God's nature. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's fruit bearing. The life of Jesus manifested in me. First Corinthians chapter 12. I think it's actually Second Corinthians chapter 12. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. (laughs) The Lord allowed, God Almighty allowed Satan to inflict Paul so that Paul would not become conceited Over the greatness of the revelations he had received from God. Because becoming conceited would not be a good reflection of the life of Christ. Three times he says, I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast, Paul says all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, Paul was starting to get it, and he was starting to say, oh, I could ask for more of this, because this is actually good. When I am weak, he is strong. He says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When he is reduced Christ is amplified that's exactly what John the Baptist said I must decrease he must increase and so when the Lord does his pruning work that's what we're reading about here in second Corinthians chapter 12 so that Christ shows in the life of the Christian and it might hurt but it is really good Philippians chapter 3, Paul says the same thing. You know, that's the text where he says, all these things I used to think of as good, I now count as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ, for having his righteousness and not a righteousness of my own. Part of our problem in Our fear of God's pruning work is that we don't understand the goodness that it produces. So we need to develop a vision for thinking about how good would it be if I could actually exhibit the life of Christ in this world? How good would that be? And Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own, but the righteousness that comes from Christ through faith. You know, one of the things that needs removal is righteousness of my own. We're going to talk even more about this next time, because we're going to talk about abiding The one thing that's actually commanded in this text is that you abide in him. And Paul says, you know, the fact that it's righteous isn't all there is to it. The question is, who's the source of this righteousness? And he says, I don't want to have a righteousness of my own. I want to have the righteousness that comes from Christ through faith. We want to be reflections of his goodness, of his righteousness, of his love, of his joy, of his faith, of his patience. Now, so the the gardener is doing his pruning work. Every branch, every branch, he's not leaving any branches behind. If you're a child of God He's not forgetting about you He's determined about you You're one of those He's predestined to be Conformed to the image of His Son What a fantastic Promise that is For each of us And then He says to these Disciples, He says, you're already Clean Now that word clean is just the, the different form of the word prune, clean. <laughs> one is a verb and the other one is an adjective or something. It's not a verb. Uh, so he's, he, he prunes or cleans the fruitful branches so they'll be more fruitful. And he uh, says to them, you're already clean." So apparently the disciples, as they're sitting in that room right then, are in a pruned condition. And he says to them, you're already clean. How? Because of the word that I've spoken. Because of the word that I've spoken to you. He's saying the exact same thing he was saying to Peter in the foot washing example, right? Right? Where he's saying, Peter says, hey, well, why don't you just give me a whole bath, a bath then? Not just my feet. And Jesus says, because you don't need one. You're already clean. Except for your feet. Well, this is the same sort of thing. If you're a branch that abides in Christ, well, you're already clean. And from time to time, you need additional removal of stuff that's in the way of your fruitfulness. It's the exact same sort of thing. So... I want to know, what is the word? Because that's how you got clean, right? He says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And if we consider the context of the book of John, what is the word? (laughs) Well, John has a pretty clear answer to that question. I think you probably already guessed it, right? We go right back to chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word. And here it's a singular term, logos, the word, singular, not words. The word. What is the word that Jesus has spoken to them? Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And then in verse 14 of of John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory You see, the vine itself brings forward the very life of the Father, the glory of God. He is the perfect human being, the perfect exhibit of the nature of the life of God in his person. And we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is Christ himself. In chapter 5, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, that could be translated word of me, and it believes him who sent me. So when we hear Christ's word, who do we believe? When we hear Christ's word, we believe the Father who sent him. You see, Jesus himself is the very word of the Father. He's the Not just the messenger, he's the message. He he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, is connected to the vine. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. In chapter Later on in chapter 5, verse 37, he says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. Right here in chapter 15, he's going to tell. In the very, Next week, we're going to talk about if you abide in me and my word abides in you. He says, you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's they that bear witness about me. The whole scripture is about Christ. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The word is Christ." Himself, when he says you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you he's saying you're a fruit-bearing branch if you receive Christ by faith if you believe the one who sent Christ if you believe Christ the Word of God if you trust yourself to Christ to the finished work of Christ on the cross you're connected to the vine You're a fruit-bearing branch. What you might notice here is that the Word of Jesus Christ, the Word that is Jesus Christ, is the instrument is the instrument of our cleansing. You're cleaned because of the word I've spoken to you. Received by faith. So simple. <laughs> You're clean, and you can expect more cleansing. You're fruitful. You bear fruit. You might not even notice. You might wonder how fruitful you are. But if you're in Christ, you exhibit the life of Christ one way or another. Can't be helped. And the Lord is going to take away whatever He needs to take away to make that a greater reality in your life. What a blessing. This kind of leads me to this question. How do you know what kind of branch you are? Because there's two kinds of branches, right? There's branches that bear fruit and branches that don't. And remember, Jesus is... (laughs) He's giving an assurance talk to his disciples. The point of this is not to get you to wonder... If you should fear whether you're a fruit-bearing branch or an unfruit-bearing branch, that's not the point. So I want to try to make this clear to you. How do you know what kind of branch you are? Well, not by looking to see if you're bearing fruit. That sounds strange, doesn't it? Because that's normally what we do. But that's not how you do it. You don't look to see the fruit. You look to Christ. The next statement in this talk is abide in me. Not examine to see where the fruit is. There's no commandment anywhere in here that says evaluate your fruitfulness. It doesn't say that. How do I know if I'm a fruit-bearing branch? When I encounter the struggles and pains and hardships and prunings of this life, where do I look? That's how I can tell. If you put a press on someone, if you squeeze someone, where do they look? the fruit-bearing branch looks to the vine the fruit-bearing branch looks to the vine if you look to the vine you're a fruit-bearing branch because you know those branches that are trying to squeeze out fruit or hang it fruit on themselves to make themselves look fruitful they don't look to Christ they look to themselves if you look to Christ you're in the vine And so, when you encounter trouble, difficulty, painful experience, look to Christ. How do you deal with painful experience? Do you draw life? Do you draw life from the vine? Then you're a fruit bearing branch. It's really pretty simple. And sometimes in in the Christian life, you know, the enemy is going around saying, hey, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? I'm not seeing it I'm not seeing much fruit and you might even examine yourself and go I'm not seeing much fruit either but you don't know what fruit is God's seeing to it and so when the devil comes at you with where's your fruit where do you look well don't fall for his trap and go around going yeah I don't see any fruit either look to the vine Abide in Christ. Trust in Christ. Rest in your relationship with Christ, which he purchased for you by the blood of his cross, not by your efforts to eke out a little more fruit. How silly it is for a vine, a branch on a vine, to say, I'm going to try harder to produce more fruit Now we submit ourselves to the pruning work of the gardener. We abide in the vine, and we bear much fruit. There's nothing in here that says, examine your fruitfulness. What it says is, abide in him. That's what we're going to talk about next time. And you can know if... I, You know, I think, for me, it's very reassuring, I think, when I've had to deal with any kind of pain in this life, literally any kind of challenge or pain, where I find myself beyond my own resources, where do I look? I got only one place, and that's Christ. That's... That, that tells you where I'm connected. And that tells you that about yourself. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness and grace in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are looking after the vine. Lord, we uh, treasure our connection to Christ we thank you that no matter what our situation or struggle in this life, we can always find life and strength and all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the person of Christ. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness in teaching us to turn to Christ in every case. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.